European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 37, Issue 3, Focus Issue on Acute Coronary Syndromes, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lusher. The management of acute coronary syndromes towards optimal treatment of STEMI and non-STEMI. In spite of all the progress made over the last decades, the management of acute coronary syndromes remains an important issue as they continue to be responsible for most of the morbidity and mortality in cardiovascular medicine. Acute coronary syndromes encompass ST elevation myocardial infarction, STEMI, and non-ST elevation myocardial infarction, non-STEMI, as well as unstable angina. Today, patients with STEMI are treated urgently and effectively by primary percutaneous coronary interventions, PPCI, in most countries. An issue that remains to be resolved is the management of STEMI patients with coronary lesions in the non-infarct-related artery. In the editor's page, Multivessel Revascularization in ST-Segment Elevation Myocardial Infarction, Where Do We Stand? Thomas F. Lusher and Ronald Binder from the University Hospital of Zurich point out that it still remains unclear whether a multivessel intervention at the time of first presentation, with or without the use of fractional flow reserve determinations, a stage procedure, or wait and see, is the most appropriate approach to such patients. Based on current available evidence, they propose an algorithm for patients with STEMI and multivessel disease, but point out that additional trials are required to further refine the management of these patients that are at high risk. The most recent progress made in the field of acute coronary syndromes is thoroughly reviewed by Gilles Montalesco of the Pitié-Salpêtrière University Hospital in Paris, France, in their article, The Year in Cardiology 2015, Acute Coronary Syndromes. Stents, and in particular drug-eluting stents, have revolutionized interventional cardiology. However, the currently used metallic stents cast the coronary segment permanently, preventing coronary vasomotion, may not be fully endothelialized and a source of thrombus formation, and may also prevent future bypass surgery. To that end, bioabsorbable stents have been developed and used primarily in patients with stable angina. However, due to the large struts, operators remained afraid of an increased rate of acute and late stent thrombosis. Patients with STEMI feature thrombus-rich lesions with a large necrotic core, which are associated with delayed healing and impaired stent-related outcomes. The use of bioresorbable vascular scaffolds, ABSORB, has the potential to overcome these limitations owing to restoration of native vessel lumen and physiology at long term. In an ESC fast track, everolimus-eluting bioresorbable stent versus durable polymer everolimus-eluting metallic stent in patients with ST-segment elevation myocardial infarction, results of the randomized absorb STEMI. Patrick W. Soroys from the International Center for Cardiovascular Health at the Imperial College in London reports the results of the TROPHY-2 trial that investigated arterial healing at short term as a surrogate for safety and efficacy in 191 STEMI patients receiving either a bioabsorbable absorb or a metallic everolimus eluting stent. At six months, the healing score was lower with the absorb as compared to the everolimus eluting stent. The device-oriented composite endpoint was also comparably low between groups. One case of definite subacute thrombosis occurred in the absorb arm, but not the everolimus eluting stent arm. The authors conclude that stenting of culprit lesions with absorb 
in the setting of STEMI resulted in a nearly complete arterial healing, which was comparable to that of metallic EES at six months. These findings provide the basis for further exploration in clinically-oriented outcome trials, a conclusion that is critically discussed in an editorial by Michael Jonah from the CV Path Institute, Incorporated, in Gaithersburg, Maryland. In patients with chest pain, morphine is highly recommended by most guidelines as an effective remedy. Furthermore, most patients with anginal pain receive aspirin and a P2Y12 receptor inhibitor. Of note, a drug-drug interaction between morphine and oral P2Y12 receptor inhibitors has been suspected. In a fast track, morphine delays and attenuates ticagrelor exposure and action in patients with myocardial infarction, the randomized double-blind placebo-controlled impression trial, Pieter Adamski and colleagues from the Nikolaus Copernicus University in Bydgoszcz, Poland, assessed the influence of IV morphine on pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics of ticagrelor and its active metabolite, ARC124910XX, in 70 ACS patients randomized to either 5 mg of IV morphine or placebo, followed by 180 mg ticagrelor. Morphine significantly lowered the total exposure to ticagrelor and its active metabolite by 36% and 37% respectively, with a concomitant delay in maximal plasma concentration of ticagrelor of 4 versus 2H with placebo. Platelet reactivity showed a stronger antiplatelet effect of ticagrelor in the placebo compared to the morphine group. The clinical implications of these novel findings are critically discussed in an editorial by Dan Attar from the Oslo University Hospital in Norway. In spite of the widespread use of primary PCI, many patients with ACS are left with some degree of left ventricular dysfunction that may lead to remodeling and eventually heart failure. Cell-based therapy raised big hopes in this context. Indeed, some, but not all clinical trials, suggest that intracoronary delivery of autologous bone marrow mononuclear cells early after STEMI may slightly improve left ventricular function. In the clinical research paper, a randomized double-blind control study of early intracoronary autologous bone marrow cell infusion in acute myocardial infarction, the Regenerate AMI clinical trial, Anthony Mather and colleagues from the Queen Mary, University of London, sought to determine whether intracoronary autologous BMC, when delivered within 24 hours of successful reperfusion, will improve left ventricular function in 100 patients with STEMI. At one year, left ventricular ejection fraction increased when compared to baseline in both groups. However, the between-group difference favoring bone marrow mononuclear cells was only 2.2%. Nevertheless, the myocardial salvage index was significantly greater in those treated with bone marrow mononuclear cells. The authors conclude that early infusion of intracoronary bone marrow mononuclear cells following primary PCI in anterior STEMI with regional wall motion abnormalities leads to an only small, non-significant improvement in left ventricular function. Their findings are thoroughly discussed in an editorial by Sama Mansour from the Centre Hospitalier de l'Université de Montréal in Quebec, Canada. With all the progress made in the management of ACS, regularly updated guidelines for practicing clinicians are very important. 
The editors of the European Heart Journal are therefore proud to present the 2015 ESC guidelines for the management of acute coronary syndromes in patients presenting without persistent ST segment elevation in this issue. As the guideline is very complete and comprehensive, the Ten Commandments of the recent version are summarised as a take-home message for fast readers in the cardio-pulse section of the issue. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its readers.